AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Yo, yo, check, check. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Where's my snare? <laughs> We go into the next episode. Now I gotta go and just give you all special flow. Oh, better eat your vitamins and vegetables. Cause we about to go and make you shrivel like a decimal. Oh, it's the dope knife sitting with the lingua franca. We got a bunch of dope styles and we gotta thank you for tuning in to you know we gotta give it. Every time that we rap in the dishes, just so exquisite. It's sitting on your dinner plate. Never ever been afraid. Never sitting with them whack cats cause they've been a flake. Been a fake. Sitting right there when we break them. We about to just grab that fucking rock and we shake them. Uh, grabbing that rock and then we shake them. We about to do it like we were coming out of Jamaica. Oof. We gonna get the cornflakers in your cereal. If you wanna get in this shit, you know we'll be serious. Doing it imperious. Yeah, we got the style imperial like we were U.S. Nation. Everybody know we up in the studio waiting on reparations. Lingua Franca, dope knife. Yeah, we about to I bang wake it. wake up in the a.m. and lace my boots. Had hey. enough sleep. Figure it's too late to snooze. I can't Came to move, self-made, I paid my dues Love to win, not as much as I hate to lose Dudes wishing I could beat them, on a mission to defeat them When you on top, they want the position that you beat in Don't worry about the past, cause that's in a different season They say we are the best, if you listen to them speaking That be the quest, I mean to be the best The day I see the bench, that's the day I see a ref Hey, hey <laughs> Waiting on 
on reparations. Talking about how the rap music's political when you got these cities full, when you got these prisons full, when it's looking pitiful all over the cities, fool. Everybody knows you gotta get in and spit a rhyme, spit a nah, <laughs> sip a jewel. Spit a sip a jewel, yeah. Hey, nah. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey. This is Dope Night. I'm Lingo Franca. And we are waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. All right, so. Uh, we have a lot to cover today, so we're just going to get into it. And this week, we're going to be talking about the uh, the, the question. What, what is, is political, political hip-hop? Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> Double jinx. Does hip-hop have to have overtly political statements in the sense that we would think about it right, left, Republican, Democrat? Arguing it for a particular yeah, like, arguing political for vision. A political party or political yeah. leaning in order for it to be considered political hip-hop. Yeah. And that yeah, is the question. Because yeah. if that's not the case, then there's lots of hip-hop that's out there that has existed that you could put under the banner of having a sort of political leaning or giving you some sort of political insight. And I mean, what I would argue is that, like, when you look at the history of where hip-hop came from and, like, what forces or lack of force like kind of gave it space to, to exist, exist yeah. you know, we talk about the decline or like the withdrawal of the civil rights movements and the black power movements during the 1970s, um, it kind of created this civic vacuum in inner cities that like had to be filled by something. And there's all this this um, unrest because, you know, uh, unemployment rates going up, affordable housing vanishing. School programs sc- cut. All sorts of welfare programs cut under Reagan and Nixon. There was this need for people to reclaim their space in a way, much like people were taking the streets previously with like protests, um, civil disobedience of other kinds. People were kind of organizing themselves around this new form of civil disobedience. It's like claiming their block back by having these block parties, by having these dance battles, by taking to the streets and like stealing power from the power grids to, you know, power their their like sound machines that they were building at home. Subverting the like poor economic and social conditions that you're in to being a positive. Exactly, yeah. Which I would say is inherently political, whether or not, you know, I'm down the street from the basketball court. It's like, is this specifically like a political statement? What the act of organizing in that way is always political to me. Gee, it's almost as if hip hop's birth was a reaction to fucked up right wing policy. Weird. I mean, it's just strange. Innately, yeah, yeah, from the jump. So, I mean, I want to go ahead and say that, like, we could very easily start in Africa. We could start in the Caribbean. We could talk about the way that the diaspora and, like, uh, black folks from around the globe influence hip-hop and, like, in a way that predates what our common understanding is in terms of the genesis of hip-hop. A lot of people think of New York in the 1970s. And I definitely think that's worth getting into, and we will absolutely get into that in a future episode. But to start out where people might, you know, base their common understanding of the birth of hip-hop, I wanted to talk a little bit about the 1970s, particularly the way that, like, hip-hop was born into this power vacuum that was left by the civil rights and black power movements. Um, Previously, people had been gathering in the streets to agitate for civil rights, to agitate for voting rights, agitate for equal education, agitate for jobs, all these things. And um, as those moments began to recede... Something needed to fill its place. Something needed to take over that same sort of space, both physically in the streets of these cities and also in the imagination of the young folks that were maybe too young to take part in those movements, but saw mass organization perhaps as like a way 
for them to take control of their the, the conditions of their lives. And so rather than marching, you know, and picketing in the streets for equal rights or things like that, people started to organize themselves around hip hop. And so hip hop, in a sense, became like the new civics. It was inherently political for folks to take to the street for these block parties in the ways that previous generations had taken to the streets in the struggle for civil rights. Um, literally like stealing power off of the grid to power their, you know, home-built sound systems that they were DJing on in the middle of the street. Like, it was a new kind of community organizing in a certain sense. And I think acknowledging that... Uh, those roots, the way that like the tides of the civil rights and black power movements receded and the new tides of the hip hop, uh, hip hop culture kind of hit the shores of New York and eventually, you know, America is like where political hip hop in its political faces like has its genesis. Do you think from a cultural standpoint that some of those uh, skills in organizing were just kind of naturally picked up? I mean, I think, yeah, like the black radical tradition, I think, was in was alive in this to a certain extent, even if it wasn't something that people were consciously aware of. It's stuff that they learned from their aunties and their fucking cousins and their uncles and their pastors. In terms of like these oracle, these oratory styles and these ways of dealing of like, you know, using verbal um, illusion and rhyme and the circumlocutions as a way to like argue for your place in the world those things have been long-standing in like the black radical tradition the black like oral tradition and so yeah i think they were alive in hip-hop in this time too well like in in 1973 in the bronx like dj cool herc uh through what many believe to be the first ever official hip-hop party where they're like utilizing all the things that you were saying yeah um and you know ever since then you know, you do some fast forwarding. Hip hop's become like a global phenomenon, and now dominates the charts. It is the music. It's now. like yeah, it's pretty much like yeah. the default music. You know. Yeah, and so you know, 1970s, people are trying to find a new way to organize their communities and like argue for their self worth, and and then find a place for themselves in a world that is increasingly against them. Um, so the 1980s, we enter at, like, the beginning of the Reagan era. So, like, through the 1950s into the 1970s, the federal government had been giving out hundreds of millions of dollars to cities through urban renewal acts to revitalize downtowns. And by the end of the 1970s, federal funding for these programs began to dry up, leaving many social services and programs in these cities fucking belly up. They were vital at one point to the redevelopment of inner city neighborhoods, but then they were scrambling to find new funding or substantially cutting back services. So many government programs saw almost their entire budget taken away under the Reagan administration, forcing many agencies to shut down. So where they were once providing services like job skills training for unemployed city youth or college loans for struggling working class families, care assistance for single parent homes, their funding all just got fucking yanked. Yeah. All fucking yanked and and it just left folks fucked. Fucked. <laughs> folks, royally fucked, man. Didn't that, didn't like, so that like cut back on like after school programs. Yeah, yeah. Like music programs. So where like, are they going to get their art and culture from now? Exactly. Well, I mean, well, that's the whole like spirit of the shit is like, if you ain't going to give it to us, then we're going to take it. You we're going to find it. We're, we're going to make find it. it. Yeah, we're going to yeah. make it on our yeah. own. So it's like, if, if kids can't, if kids can't take piano lessons or take guitar lessons or violin lessons, then 
They're gonna learn how to make their own music on turntables, scratching and sampling and cutting yeah. and, and things like that. So, I mean, 80s fucking poverty rate for minorities grew every single year in the 1980s, and many cities faced record levels of crimes. Gangs began to flourish. I mean, it, this in a, this also was a way of reorganizing our communities, the new civics in the sense of like, what, who are your affiliations and how are you getting by? Who can you rely upon? So gangs taking Providence and taking over neighborhoods. Um, New York, they were like, ugh, there's so many boroughs plagued with youth gangs, including the South Bronx, where Africa Bombada was actually the gang leader of the Black Spades Gang in the Bronx River Projects. And he decided to use his leadership for something positive after taking a trip to Africa. That's why it's so important we got to talk about Africa at some point in this podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, I want to talk about Africa with my African ass. Um, just for some context for the people who don't speak rap, Africa Bambata is a DJ and producer and, like, I guess you could say community organizer, the head of the uh, Zulu Nation. He's very much considered one of the key early influencers of hip-hop. And um, in recent years, there's been allegations leveled. That's a whole nother episode. Right now, we're just talking history. My bad. Go on. But um, instead of having rival gangs battle each other through violence, like actually fucking fuck each other up, uh, he organized parties where rival gangs battled each other through b-boying, DJing, and MCing. Yeah. Then it was like on some real West Side Story type shit. <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Beat um, it, beat it. Oh my God. Beat it. Yeah, fucking beat it. No, exactly. for real. No, for that's, real. The that's the aesthetics that they're trying to capture in yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of how hip hop was born. I a, a truncated version of its history. Trust me, we're going to get into a lot more specific of like years, of specific people, of specific subgenres, specific policy issues that were really prevalent in these times in upcoming episodes of the podcast. You know, hip hop had always had like, since its inception, as far as the rap element of hip hop, you know, yeah. we got to be clear because it, it feels so weird having to, to retell this, but, you know, I do imagine that there's probably like a whole like, swath of people who may or may not know stuff like this but okay so hip-hop is comprised generally of four different Do we elements have to, oh i guess we have to talk i mean about hey that. you never know some people don't know this so There's like of those of those four elements of hip-hop and even that number four is debatable but of those four elements you've got break dancing you've got graffiti you've got djing then you've got the mc now when I was coming up, I learned that, you know, there was there was like a debatable element of is beatboxing an element or is knowledge of self an yeah, element. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so I would just go ahead and tack both of those on and yeah. just say that there's there's yeah. six of them. That would just be me personally, but generally, you know, the the emceeing and the rapping is just one aspect of hip hop. Yeah. And in that aspect, since that aspect, you know, came to dominate the art, the culture, and, you know, was the the most visible part of the culture that people saw that could be commodified. Um, MCs yeah. have always been dropping lines of, of like socially conscious rhymes or socially conscious bars and stuff like that. But it really wasn't until 1982's The Message by um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, it was the first, like, really successful 
socially conscious or you know socially messaged uh, hip hop song. Yeah. Just don't care. I can't take the smell. Can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room. Roaches in the back. You know that kind of open everybody's eyes really as to what potential hip hop could have with like having direct messaging. Up until that, you know. Prominently, you know, when you think of hip hop in that time, when people think of hip hop when it first started, you know, you might think of like the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, like hip hop, hip, hip it to the hip, hip hop, and you don't stop the rock to the bang bang boogie, up jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat, and and Curtis Blow, you know, all that, you know, all that party stuff, you know, like fun things, and there's and that definitely was the case, and. It never stopped, obviously, but once yeah. the message came out, head started it like it was like, oh, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. You oh. know, like broken glass everywhere. Like I think there's even there's like a legendary artist KRS One once said he he was talking about uh, Melly Mel like lyrics on the song. He was like, he lives somewhere, and where he lived, he described, and it was where I lived, and that was the connection. So it was like something that was so visceral, where he was describing. You know, that urban decay, young black city, you know, urban paranoia. He was describing that and it like influenced MCs for just the rest of time. And I think it speaks to like how pivotal it is for a marginalized populace to like seize a narrative for themselves and start telling their own story. Cause like so many people want to fucking tell people, tell us like what our lives are like how we got here, what we deserve. And so for us to like factually report on the conditions we're experiencing, like it has such resonance or had such resonance at this time and still does for a lot of hip hop listeners. That like, yo, I fucking feel that. Like, yeah, I live where you live. Like I, I know what you know, like I've been there. And, and, but not just on a person to person level. It's like, that's the political power of hip hop of like telling our own story in a world where people want to tell our story for us. Yeah. And it's like a if we're looking at politics in terms of like wielding power, that is like a pretty powerful act. I think that's like something that is even kind of like inherent in hip hop music is like being able to put forth like a message that people can potentially identify, you know, with like on a personal level. And, you know, some people can like wield that to a political end, I think. And some people cannot choose not to. But it's like just as a tool to get those messages out i think that you know when people do decide to use hip-hop to like get out political messages i feel like because of the power of hip-hop it makes it just that much more potent to get like a message out totally yeah 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 i mean like the the rhythmicity of it i fucking made that word up but i needed to (laughs) rhythmicity should be a fucking word the call and response you know the cadences like the upfrontness of the language, all these things like are like they make for a powerful oratory. Mm-hmm. They make for powerful oratory. So like you know, and powerful orators. Orators, indeed. So with older heads, we tend to have a lot of nostalgia about the hip hop that was. Mm-hmm. We go back and we talk about the message in 1982. We talk about the birthplace of hip hop and like its reaction as like a movement against oppression in this like Reagan era where everything fucking sucked, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really typical among um, the older generation of hip hop that came up with it, you know, more so than the folks that you can't imagine a world without it. 
um, in a lot of my research as a like a hip hop scholar and educationist, uh, an educationist, you see times where like these people who want to use hip hop in the classroom will bring in older hip hop or like progressive hip hop to the kids. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna use this to teach, and the kids don't give a fuck, yeah, because it's not really <laughs> reflecting the trends of music right now, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I think that kind of thinking, this nostalgizing of of the music. It's just like really typical of, of of a certain age of listener. We think of the place where hip hop started off as defining essentially what hip hop is. Yeah. In 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 blindness, with blindness towards what it has the potential to become, which is not, you know, not aligned with a, a, a movement of resistance in a, well, yeah. in a progressive in a progressive way. You can resist without being progressive. You can exactly. be like burn it all down without having a vision for what you want it to be. Exactly. Better. Yeah. <clears throat> AT and T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Well, why do you associate hip hop and politics? Well, I mean, because for me, like if if you know, hip hop gets a lot of credit a lot of times for being blunt and honest and open and like a true um, manifestation of people's like actual thoughts. If politics affect us in our everyday life all the time, then it just makes sense to me that it doesn't matter what type of rap song that you're listening to. I, I take hip hop, I take pol- polit- politics and hip hop as pretty much being anything that gives you insight into what somebody really thinks. Yeah, And yeah. what the artist or the rapper really thinks. Because at the end of the day, that's that's politics. I, I hate to do this, but to quote Marco Rubio. <laughs> yeah, so Marco Rubio, 
um, in a crowded bar on Capitol Hill at the inaugural um, BuzzFeed Brews event, told a crowd that in some ways, rappers are like reporters. You had gang wars, racial tension, and they were reporting on that, you know. Marco uh, Rubio said that? Marco fucking Rubio. <laughs> Don't give me that face. Nah, I mean. Yeah. Yes, so they're reporting on the material conditions, the lived realities of folks that are like living on the ground, which are inevitably shaped by political forces. And so I think that to create, to like speak a narrative that is born from that place is inherently a political act because like there's so many other people who want to tell us how we're living. I feel you. There's so many other people who want to tell us what our lives are like and, um, conjecture about how we got this way but when we actually speak up for ourselves and be like yo this is what is actually happening like that is a political act to sort of like steal like wrest the narrative back from people that want to to paint a picture that does not serve our needs or interests I it's inherently political act I somewhat agree but I somewhat think that that's a generous assessment of a lot of things we have to be honest in like saying that like a lot of this stuff, I don't think cats are thinking about it that deep. And I don't think it's meant to be taken like that deep. Like it's an inherently political thing just because I exist or just because I, I exist in this space. I mean, at least at least not if that's not your intention at all. Sure, sure, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I have an aversion to that. But you bring it's certainly up, a spectrum. It's, it's a spectrum, a spectrum yeah, no, in agree. terms of intention. One hundred percent. That people bring into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But but you you bringing up the Marco Rubio quote though just kind of opens up. Like, do you think that Marco Rubio cares about black people? Yeah, or hip hop, or hip hop culture? No, no. Okay. No. Well, I mean, this is. Like, pretty much what I was saying last week with the Donald Trump shit, like, it makes me feel some kind of way that 30 years ago, there was a teenager who was listening to all the, even the dope stuff that I would consider dope. There was a teenager somewhere who was listening to Wu-Tang in in N.W.A., in, in, in Tupac, in Public Enemy, and all that shit. And he grew up to be Marco fucking Rubio? I mean, I will say that, like, as someone that studies hip-hop, there is a tendency for folks to want to, like, progressivize, mm-hmm. like, a lot of its um, practices. Yeah, yeah. Talking about, like, the egalitarian nature of a cipher, where anybody can step in and have their turn, and, like, it's very democratic, and it's very, like, flattened hierarchy, and, like, it's very participatory and all yeah. this stuff. And, like, the way that, you know, like I've been talking about, like, it's this way for us to, like, seize the narrative and speak our own truths rather than have Fox News to tell, report on what's yeah, happening yeah. in our communities. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it's just, like, even especially now, I like to be very, very careful with just lumping everything in together, you know? With everything going on now, I think people have a tendency to think that being black in of itself is a progressive political stance. I mean, you got to understand, black people historically vote for Democrats because the Republican Party platform has more or less been, yeah, we know slavery's bad, but... (laughs) So, it's just, I think it's important that people know that racism being a factor is a huge unifying force amongst black people. Without it, without, like, naked, open racism in the American right, 
I think you would have a lot more black people that would be comfortably conservative or comfortably Republican or comfortably right-leaning. And it would be reflected in the music. I mean, shit. The current rap caricature is value money above everything else. Hate gays, treat women like shit, love guns, and advocate the killing of black men. If those aren't right-wing Republican values, wow. <laughs> I don't fucking know what wow. is. <laughs> Things that make you go, mm, yeah. I think it's really important what you're bringing up, that it is very complex. That it's not necessarily like... It's not black and white, It's exactly. not necessarily stories of revolution and like coming together. I mean, there's plenty of that, and we'll talk about some examples of that mm. perhaps later on, but it is also, it's complex because they are pretty much like right-wing talking points. There's, uh, there's like a- emerging to a degree, yeah. Obviously, nobody wants every pop star to be trying to like save the world or anything like that but it's just one of those things where it's like you know you get a bit older and you start thinking about it and how it affects people like I remember when Drake was first coming out he had a a track I forget what the name of the track is but it had like a line in it that was like all I care about is money in the city that I'm from it's so even now it's like I just got it stuck in my head I don't even know the name of the song it's like, all I care about is money in the city that I'm from and it's like damn that's dope but then you just like think about it deeper and you're like, damn, man. Maybe you should care about more about that. There was there was like a 12-year-old in 2009 just repeating that over and over again. I know you could talk to a bunch of people who could argue that that's a completely justified worldview and way of looking at the world. I wouldn't consider that to be a progressive <laughs> worldview. All right, if it's a justified worldview, then what justifies it? Because there are always factors at play systemically that have shaped, like, why Why should you just give a shit about just the city where you're from and getting money? Like, what, is, what has given rise to, like, that need and that mo- those motivations? Because it's never just, like, you get born singing. You never get born singing, I don't give a shit about as money yeah. in the city where I'm from. Like, you don't, like, no baby comes out the womb crying that. It's it's based on the the, the factors that have shaped their life. And they're, you know, often politically motivated, policy-driven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I see. I which, see. which has nothing to do with the intention behind a song. Okay. I, I will give you that. Like, we got to, like, really look. We, got, we can't, like, paint... A, a rose color. Yeah, I just you can't like rosify, gloss over everything, and be like every all hip hop is political. Yeah, sure. I probably think sure. that intent matters more than most people like yeah. my ilk. But it's just like I don't know you you it, things that are like coincidental and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Like give them credit where credits due. You know what I'm saying? But to like ascribe a bunch of high concept. You know what I mean? Ideas to something when that's like just completely not the intention, I think does a disservice to people who do do it and to the the general argument if you are of the if you are of the mindset of like, yo, that sort of thing is lacking. Then it doesn't help that at all either. You know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't help that if somebody does a video where there are people marching. But the song is not about that at all. Like, it'll get covered in every publication. It's like, oh, such and such just dropped a new political video. Didn't you see the people were marching? In the when vi- it's like revolutionary yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, like I don't... The whole concept of, like, faking the funk and, like, being on some fake... Like, like being on some fake shit isn't... 
just relegated to like street life and like, oh, you said you did this, but you didn't really be that. But I don't understand why that doesn't apply to even aspects of politics like we're talking about. I'm interested in the aspect of people faking activism. Yeah, yeah. You know, or or like uh, using activism as part of the overall like rap gimmick or rap hustle. Well, I fear that like artists don't know what real activism looks like. Yeah. It's like co-signing, like let's think to back to like Beyonce and Jay-Z, like pledging solidarity to the Black Lives Matter movement, which has a pretty hard leftist platform if you really get down into like the planks in that platform. And um, I think they espouse values that would be contrary to the way that the Carters have built their economic empire. You know, like, I don't think Black Lives Matter is for the pro- a proliferation of black billionaires. <laughs> and so, like, there's co-signing movements in a way that I guess is helpful in drawing attention to them so that more people will look into what those folks are doing on the ground to make the world better. But without any sort of true material contribution or or ideological contribution to the work that they are doing. And in fact, working counter to those values in every other aspect of her life except coming out and saying, like, Trayvon Martin shouldn't yeah. have been killed. Well, or like, you know, and then that's and that's it. Well, going, going by the thing with, like, values, if today in this day and age were the thing that's countercultural, I don't want to say just straight up being a socialist. You know, people are starting to be at that point where they're starting to re-examine whether or not this, like, capitalist experiment or like this diehard extreme capitalism like capitalism yes put it in my veins i need it like people are starting to reassess whether or not that's the way to go (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, especially now fuck since covid white black purple whatever i have seen more socialist niggas pop out of the woodwork since covid than at any point in my life and I'm not saying that that's where hip-hop needs to be. It doesn't really seem like that's where hip-hop is, you know what I'm saying? Anywhere close. Even the best examples of it, is that something that... Well, I think there's there's movement building, like getting people to take to the streets, take action, organize their communities, and then there's consciousness raising, which is a very important precursor to movement building. You can't build a movement if you're not like aware of the circumstances you're currently in, right? Yeah. And so... Songs like Jay-Z's Survival or or uh, Vic Mensa's 16 Shots, like, they might not talk about the world that we want, but at least they're raising people's awareness of the world that we have and, and generating the needed and righteous indignation about that world yeah. in order to, like, do something. Now, the problem comes in to me when people think that that indignation, the fact that they're mad and they're woke about it, is enough. And it's not enough. And so it's like, okay, like I will accept if hip hop isn't like, you know, uh, taken in the streets with like artillery shells strapped to their yeah, chest. Yeah, no one is, and like I'm not. seizing, you know, courtrooms <laughs> and like straight up, like all that shit. I'm cool if we're not there in the music, but um, I also want to be wary of music that makes a buck on sort of co-opting revolutionary aesthetics like, yeah, of just like, like it's a costume a that cop, I can whatever. put on. And it's just like, you don't really mean but that. But I mean, I, I mean, don't even, to me, it doesn't even seem like cats are even getting in on that racket. 
<laughs> you know, that's true. Because that would that's be something else we wanted like, to talk that would about. Be, that would be a better problem than than what we have. You know, what I'm saying if people were trying to take advantage of or make a gimmick out of activism, and that were like the trend, I think that would be better than what it is. But I mean, I'm not even necessarily judging anybody's music. Just more so of an attitude. I think that there are a lot of rappers who look at a Jay-Z and aspire to be that. If culturally what is anti-establishment is like, yo, fuck the billionaires. If hip-hop is populated by a bunch of motherfuckers that want to be billionaires, then is it anti-establishment still? I think that ultimately it's important to apply a critical lens to all hip-hop, regardless of the intention of the artist, because of the way it reports on black life, it can tell us interesting things about the way the policy is failing or point towards a future that could be different. And so, like, uh, to, to sort of lay this framework of politics on hip-hop, regardless of where the artist is coming from themselves, is an important exercise. And sort of, like, for me, a motivation behind, like, why are we doing this? Why are we talking about this at all? I could just drop the microphone and walk out right now. Except the fact I, I believe that we have to, like do this exercise as a means of like figuring out okay what like what next yeah no, what, is, what has gone wrong and yeah. what is next for us I agree, I agree and then there's a lot of hip hop out there I mean like you know we said it earlier like Dead Prez and we want to talk about like Saul Williams or you know even like Run DMC and, and Curtis Blow had some hits that were like politically motivated there's definitely songs out there that have a politically motivated message and now to what degree it counts as political hip hop I think we'd somewhat differ on because you think it has to have like I am arguing for reparations. No, Versus no, no. me, I'm like, if you're commenting on, you know, just like statistics that of like the ways folks are affected by policy and not necessarily telling people what to do about it, yeah. that's still valuable. I agree. I agree. No, I, I, if, if I had described what I thought in that way, that's not what I meant. Oh, okay. No, exactly. I, I, I agree with you. I would say that it's like, I feel that I can tell when somebody is faking. When somebody's being real about politics, but they're not trying to be political, it comes across more as them just expressing how they feel about a particular topic. You know what I'm yeah. saying? When somebody is trying to pander, that's when it sounds like yada, 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 and kids don't do drugs. Uh-huh. Or you know, yada, 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 police beat black people. You know what I mean? It's like, or, okay, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's an observation. Yes. <laughs> like I, I hear you, my I hear you, my dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to be coming with it a bit more correct and deeper than that. That at the, the no matter what style of rapping you do, like uh, you know, what? I was talking with my friend this morning. Okay. He's talking about this exact thing, right? If I were listening to like some booty shaking like club song, that the intent and the purpose of the song is nothing other than it's like get off ass. the ground, shake your ass, blah blah. Yeah. And somewhere within that song. The rapper drops a line, gives a little insight into like a stripper being a single mother and overcoming that. And that's a somewhat political experience. You know what I'm saying? That's like, that's an expression of how you feel completely in context with the song that you're making that gives me some insight to how you might feel about a political issue. Like, single mothers who, you know what I mean? Whatever whatever you want to, whatever, whatever you want to ascribe to it. But it's like, that doesn't mean that the song's a political song. Sure. That doesn't mean you were trying to do anything other than make people shake, but it's like insight into how you really feel about some real shit. There's degrees to which songs that aren't necessarily political in intent that do transmit political messages. If it's re- 
Yes. It, I, I don't like getting into that conversation of what's real hip hop and what's not real hip hop. But if the shit's real, yeah, you will naturally get that. So I, I, I looked up on Wikipedia, political hip hop. I wanted to get a third opinion. <laughs> and I'm really interested in some of the, well, some of what they've said. There's a couple artists they say are political, and I want to get your take. Okay. So they said examples of conscious and political hip hop throughout the de- decades include uh, much of Logic's discography. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, wait, say that again. <laughs> Much of Logic's discography. Um, much of, they, they go on to say, like, much of Child of Quali's discography, much of Luke Fiasco's discography, uh, much, Damn, of, much of Common's discography, mm-hmm. um, much of Kendrick Lamar's discography, uh, much of J. Cole's discography. <laughs> um, um, so I just think it's a really interesting list. Okay, Logic and J. Cole being... <laughs> On there. Yeah. I mean, it's not... I just don't really consider them to be political rappers like that. I mean, there's definitely rappers on that list that are straight up politically, you know, oriented rappers. But it seems like that list is just rappers that don't only rap about dumb shit. Which in itself is, you know, a reflection of where the bar is at. So, I guess it just comes down to... Who made this Wikipedia page? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, really, what are you listening to? And really, what are the what are the qualifying factors for yeah, this shit? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll take a deep dive on that later. <clears throat> AT and T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
by the 90s, the Democrats were dragged so far to the right by the preceding conservative administrations that it was pretty much open season on fucking black people. Uh, we had the killing of Latasha Harlins in Los Angeles, the beating of Rodney King, the subsequent LA riots, which interestingly, Ice-T's solo album, Home Invasion, was originally slated for November 1992, but was delayed because of the LA riots and the presidential election. There was the infamous crime bill of 1994. You had three strikes laws getting passed in 24 states in that same year. So all this architected to ramp up control over black communities. And with it came anthems that continued to document community conditions and push back against the state. I want to say one last thing on the progressivizing hip hop. So I was talk- I was reading this BT blog post issued after the 2016 election. And um, it was quick to cite artists from the 80s and early aughts, you know, who were shining a light on racial inequality and calling the government out. But it referenced not a single song produced during the Obama presidency that did the same thing. I mean, sure, it talks of loosely progressive songs and songwriters, you know, talk about like Pimp to Pimp a Butterfly, Chance's Coloring Book, and saying like, look, you know, we, we are more progressive than the nation. You know, the nation has failed us in electing Donald Trump hip-hop is ahead of the curve and i think to point to works like this that are like um from a leftist perspective they might be like consciousness raising or engaging in necessary self-esteem building within these communities through these works but like what exactly are they saying we do about it like who what like what better future does do are they spelling out for us and so i like I, I, I like I hesitate to embrace work that is I think I think it's necessary to create a distinction between work that is consciousness raising and that is actually progressive and like saying this is the better world that we're trying to build because I think in articles like that um, we're saying oh hip-hop is more progressive than the nation um, it's a feel-good story that like we want to embrace we want to believe we're better than the state of the country as a whole but I don't know if the facts actually back that up. For me, this conversation is mainly directed towards mainstream hip hop. Mm-hmm. Because, and again, the re- like, I could, I could have like the attitude of music is music, and everyone listen to what you want want to listen to, and you know it's whatever. So yeah, like obviously, I listen to the shit that I like. You know what I'm saying? So shit that doesn't appeal to me, that's not what I'm. Like, spending, you know, my time, like, just, like, listening and getting mad because it exists. That's not what I'm saying. But as somebody who cares about hip-hop, the mainstream is the biggest representation of hip-hop. Right, right. So and that's what- the other point of, like, the artists we lift up as, like, yeah, hip-hop is so progressive. These are not the artists that are gaining the most traction exactly. in the mainstream. So- They're not making the most amount of money. By no metric is this, and, like, uh, what hip-hop, hip-hop is. Hip-hop is, or is what hip-hop is seen across the world. And, like... You can either have a problem with it or you can be neutral. You know what I'm saying? And this isn't a, a call of a judgment on whatever your you know opinion is of that. But it is the truth. When, when somebody in fucking New Zealand thinks about hip-hop, they're thinking about the most popular hip-hop that America has to offer. Now you ask they yourself... They're not doing the research. I'm sorry, but like you ask yourself if you feel comfortable with what you can just off the top of your head imagine is the most popular form of hip hop or most popular hip hop shit going on right now coming out of America. And just imagine that that's like somebody's 
only or first impression of what hip hop is. Yeah. The chances are, if that doesn't like bother you and you don't care, then like, I don't want to say you don't care about hip hop, but like what we're talking about right now, you don't care about it. You, you know what I'm saying? And that's just, that's just, that's cool. So, fear not, political hip hop lovers in the listening sphere. In 2017, according to CNS data, the number of top songs that contain political top content jumped to one in four, up from one in 10 in previous years. About 25% of songs that made the top of the charts. I, I mean, I'd say it comes as no surprise. So we've, I think we've returned to the kind of 1990s level awareness and anger about racial injustice and unmasked fascism that folks are um, starting to return to the roots of hip hop in a certain sense. I hope so. I hope so. I think, I so. think we'll. I think we'll see. I mean, in an in an era when like, okay, the Kanye stuff scares me. <laughs> okay, I'm just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it honest with you. Like, like, I'm not telling anybody what to do, but it's just like. What do you mean the Kanye stuff? Well, I mean like the Kanye Trump presidency. Is that not political? Oh, it is political, but I mean that's 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 the that's the, the shit that I'm talking about. Is like I don't think it's obviously I don't think it's like the right side <laughs> of, of the I don't think it's the right side that hip hop should be on. But the mere fact that you know Donald Trump has fucking tweeted out white power, there's good people on both sides. That Kanye's association with that isn't a just absolute deal breaker. Just completely. I'm banking on in the next like five years or so there being like a Candace Owens rapper. 2024? I'm looking for the Candace Owens presidency. <laughs> Not looking for it, but like my, my third eye sees it and it burns as it yeah, beholds it. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. Shit's fucking weird. The perennial political hip-hop song of the 80s would have to be Fight the Power by Public Enemy. I feel like it's easier to mold onto a variety of issues or, yeah. like, calls to action. Like, I mean, Fight the Power can mean so many things. Fuck the Police is oddly specific. Oh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> super specific. Like, Fight the Power, I think, is more effective a political song or protest song or protest statement because it's broad and you can attribute different things to it you know fight the power the power can be whatever you need it to be at any given time i actually think that you know fight the power is kind of like our version of the civil rights song we shall overcome you know the we shall overcome i think fight the power is that for us because it's just this you can apply it to any protest or political event you know are we protesting big oil like, are we out in the streets against police brutality? We're trying to get people to vote to take out an incumbent. Fuck the police. Like you said, it seems really specific that I don't think it can just It's be, about police brutality yeah, about and police, police overreach. Exactly. Yeah, versus fight the power. You can talk about your local school board. You can talk about your local county commission. You can talk about your DA's office. You can't be like, yo, let's go march for the environment. Fuck the police. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe. If you're a fucking standing rock and they're pelting you with water cannons, maybe fuck the police in that scenario. So, uh, 1989, uh, Motown Records released Fight the Power. It was the uh, single for the Spike Lee film Do the Right Thing. 
It was actually made specifically for that movie after a uh, little conversation between the man Spike Lee and Chuck D about wanting to get them on board for that. Um, the song uh, went on to become one of Public Enemy's most known songs. It was certified gold as a single. It was nominated for Best Rap Performance the following year. The film that inspired it was generally about racial tensions during the hot summertime in the New York borough. Such a notable film that it could have its own, its own episode in its relation to hip-hop and politics on itself. But to bring attention back to the song and what makes it such a potent political song, I mean, it's like you're confronting the issue of racism, bam, at the beginning of the song, right there to open it. And... I mean, I guess if you're like a kid now that you probably don't know who John Wayne is. But when I was a kid, I knew who John Wayne was. You know, I was aware of him, but I wasn't aware that John Wayne or Elvis had any sort of like, you know, racial issues within their like personal lives and shit. I just knew them as, oh, John Wayne's an actor and Elvis is a musician, you know? So even just hearing that in a popular song, then made me ask questions. And I remember the first time that I heard that, and I was I, I like, I don't know if we were watching the movie, but I think we were watching the music video, and I remember asking my dad, like, I didn't know Elvis was racist, but I was like, oh yeah, Elvis was hella racist. No and then explanation. Just, <laughs> none. No, but um, for real, I, I was aware that, I mean, Elvis is a, was a musician that has a you know, moniker as being king. And I was aware of like the reverence that John Wayne had. So, you know, to see a fucking, a strong black dude with a fucking B-boy cap twisted going, Elvis was the hero the most. Motherfuck him and John Wayne. That's just, that was crazy. And culturally at the time, the amount of white pearl clutching that a line like that cause the amount of like weight culturally that that has that's like setting the perfect tone for the title of the song the line was actually inspired by a 1980s song by the artist blowfly it was a oh really yeah it was a song called uh blowfly's rap in the song like a clansman a clansman provoked him by saying motherfuck you and muhammad ali and this led chuck to wonder like which sacred cow he could like Pluck when he was like writing his lines. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I'm the grand dragon of the Klu Klux Klan. You say, There's no nigga better than me. Motherfuck you and Muhammad Ali. Uh, Chuck D, the lead MC for the group in recent years, has spoken about the song being directly inspired by the community and the national effects of the Reagan and Bush administrations. Yeah, he was quoted as saying, I believe, if he was uh, if he was 20 years old and didn't realize that Reagan and Bush was just a bad thing for you and also for the rest of the country, then he wasn't paying. He wasn't going to get it anyway. The only thing that's going to hit you was a is a catastrophe. But we thought we could actually throw some light on a dark situation. That has already cloaked black America. So Fight the Power, coming from a cultural aspect as a film and a song, would hit East St. Louis because damn sure world news ain't going to cover it. Uh, I feel like rapping. Do you feel like rapping? Sure, let's rap a little bit. All right. Mr. Joel, can you give us something to rap over? Uh, 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 uh. Yo, we waiting on reparations. Hey, hey, hey. Say so you could call me a loser or you could call me a loser. 
call me a whiner, you could call me cause you miss me Cause you're hiding from the virus Or you could join the pestilent, right? Call the girl a heifer a dyke Or call the kid whatever you like Cause you can slam there and gaslight All of us left is delight Then in the guise of hyping Biden's intellectual tripe Keep playing your shitty games and keep winning your shitty prizes Keep losing every election for the rest of your life Or you can win us by demanding decent wages Single payer, right to organize a labor Right to house and clean the air Right to spark a fucking jag if you're depressed and need a care Right to higher education by taxing the billionaires you can say I'm trolling and scold me into notes holdingly Go voting for a guy that won't support policies polling Really highly everywhere, but that's not really that effective The best is if you call me and advocate with the left Yo, who the fuck Zilla the knife? Riddle me that You motherfuckers know where I'm lyrically at I'm lyrically on a level levitating You chumps up in a motherfucking mountain Meditating with monks Never stay in a slump Way back when eight was enough I was taking your mom's putting measure tape to a rump I keep a Bushido blade while I'm breaking a blunt Plus I think of my best shit while I'm taking a dump. I think you snitching to the feds. And while you niggas think you getting bread, you get dead with a diss you wouldn't have said. Cause you tried to act up. That's when we hit you till you bled. You try to get back up, I fucking kick you in the head. It's dope knife coming, it's so nice. Grab the microphone and niggas know that I don't write. But wrote before, now I gotta go and hit the jaw. Motherfuckers know I take over the world like Cobra. Put you in the coleslaw, put you up in a sandwich. Motherfuckers stepping up and they can't understand it. Our brain's so big that that shit Need some bandwidth, motherfuckers knowing that we harder than some granite. Dope. Dope. My name's Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. We are waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Hurry up. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 